So <laughs> I'm going to call this episode Head Jobs and Housework, which it's it's not as black and white as that, but honestly, it's a big part of it. And why I say this is because years ago I counselled a couple and they both had love languages of acts of service as the primary love language and they both had a lot of resentment towards each other and it literally boiled down to him saying out of frustration, well, she stopped giving me head jobs once the baby was born and so why should I help? Which is, how's that a win-win? I mean, it's such a... Anyway, but it was good to get it out there because she was unaware because that didn't make sense to her because she said, no, I stopped giving you head jobs because you didn't help. So because you didn't do anything for me, you didn't help with the baby, you didn't help around the house, you didn't help in any way. Now, this they both earn the same amount of money and she was doing all the housework and she was picking up after him and she felt like it was also a whole other thing she was picking up after him and she felt like he was behaving like a child not picking up after himself so that had to be addressed too but this whole tit for tat thing uh it's like eye for an eye and everyone's blind and the world is blind so um yeah it was just it was a crazy thing but I started to notice that there really is this whole thing about women are nurturers and men forget this we want to please you we want to take care of you but if there's no reciprocity we eventually get over it if there's nothing in return now okay another example I used to be friends with this guy called Peter Spann and when I was young, I was probably 20 at the time and had no, um, when he was saying he was in a relationship with a woman and they moved in and he was like, she's the love of my life. And they moved in together and he used to just leave his socks and underpants on the floor all the time for her to pick up. And one day she cracked it and she said, I'm not your mother. Why do you do this? If you loved me, you'd pick up after yourself and stop treating me like I'm your mother. And he said, oh, he said, I thought if you loved me, you would pick up after me because my mother loves me and she picks up after me. And he said, but you're right. (laughs) But it's this crazy thing that's so fundamental and so many men don't get it, especially if they've been raised by a parent who does do everything, but that's your parent. And I am seeing this real shift because men aren't getting married at 18 or 20 like they did when our grandparents were young. Men are living with people and living together, but over and over again, I've had male friends say, hey, can I come and stay with you? Because she broke up with me and I have no idea why. I don't know why she broke up with me. I love her so much. And within a week, I'm sick of picking up after them and I only have to deal with their mess in the kitchen and bathroom. So it's like, okay, after a week, I can tell you why she broke up with you. You you make you make a sandwich and you just leave crap all over the table. You leave your dirty dishes. You think that the kitchen and the bathroom and the house magically cleans itself. I'm sick of it after a week. I bet she was really over it. And he's like, well, why didn't she say something? And when you talk to their ex, they always go, I asked him 50 times. I asked him 50 times to do it. But I'm amazed how many men still assume that it's a woman's place to pick up after them. And they just go and they behave like they're a child. Oh, I don't realise or I don't care. Now, I get that there's also a different dynamic. I've been in a relationship where he liked things super clean 
and he would clean up to his standard and and I had to explain to him that I like things really clean but you like things like engineer brain clean and that's a whole other level of clean so you're just going to have to do it but also I made a huge fuss of him for doing this and so I'd then do all these other things for him I'd go and do the shopping or I'd go and do so we but that was a negotiation and and so much of what that couple that I originally spoke about, a lot of it was just a communication breakdown. But part of it was that they hadn't actually realized how fundamental what was bothering them was because their relationship was about to break down and they had three little kids. I mean, they have three kids, but they were little at the time. And it was about to destroy their whole relationship because both of them were not feeling loved and appreciated. And so it boiled down to... Um, a couple of things. It boiled down to learning about love languages, learning about what makes the other person feel loved. And look up the5lovelanguages.com. There's a free online test and a really simple explanation. And they are basically acts of service, words of affirmation. You know, like if somebody's really critical all the time and your love language is kind words, you will never feel loved by them. You'll always feel like they don't love you when they're critical of you. There's uh, touch, physical touch and uh, intimacy. And there is uh, gifts, acts of service, gift. I can never remember the other one. Gifts, uh, kind words, touch, acts of service. No idea. No idea. What, I can never remember the fifth one. But the website has them. So what was going on with Dee and her husband was that she was just feeling like, he doesn't love me now. She also had a story about how her, because her mum was sick, her dad did everything at home growing up. So she just assumed that that was how things were. And he, she'd married, an, even though she was Italian and she was married to an Italian, and he just assumed that, that she would become like the wife and mother and do everything. And But she was also working much longer hours than him. And so in her mind, and a lot of women now, they're working and they're being a mother as well and they're exhausted and they're feeling like I'm so exhausted and I come home and he's just sitting on the sofa doing nothing amongst all the chaos. Now he might not care about the chaos and mess um, but she just she doesn't see that he doesn't care. She doesn't see that. She sees what needs doing and so it, look a lot of a lot of relationship issues could be resolved with communication but a lot of the is assumptions and it really works out what's really bothering you what's really bothering you and why it's bothering you because it's not the cow the mess when he sat on the couch that bothered her it was what she made it mean and what she made it mean was he doesn't even care about me because he doesn't help me around the house because he doesn't help me that means he doesn't love me because her love languages are acts of service so if he cared he would help. Therefore, he doesn't even care. So this is why she was like, well, if he doesn't care, why would I want to have sex with a man who doesn't care about me? Why would I want to take care of him in bed if he doesn't even care about me? So this is where that went. And she wasn't even aware of how literal it was. And his love language was acts of service and physical touch. So he was feeling like she doesn't even love me because she won't have sex with me. Now, 
he didn't take into account. She's exhausted with the baby. She's more exhausted when she's exhausted. She's getting up in the middle of the night and I'm just lying there um, because they're both exhausted. So, and she'd ask him to do things and he'd promise to do them and not, and then not follow through or forget. So she'd get more and more annoyed. And this seems, I just, I cannot tell you the number of couples where we're at a dinner party or a lunch and the guy's bitching and moaning that she won't have sex and we've just heard her in tears while he's out of the room or before he arrives and we've just heard her in tears go he never helps he never does anything he's so lazy I have to pick up after him he puts the dirty dishes next to the empty dishwasher he puts his dirty throws his dirty socks next to the laundry basket all day I pick up after him and it would take him three seconds to do the same thing and I come home and I still have to do another eight hours, you know, before and after work, I'm doing another seven or eight hours of feeding and shopping and taking care of the family and cleaning. So we've both got an eight hour job, but I've got a second eight hour job, you know, where I'm getting up at six, getting the kids to school, at, you know, at nine. And then I start my job. And then from five till 10, I'm doing the cleaning, the cooking, the you know, and, and she said, I'm just exhausted. I'm doing a 16-hour you know, day or a 17-hour day while he works in a cushy office job, comes home and puts his feet up. And then he wonders why I'm so exhausted and, and cranky and resentful. Why would I want to kiss him? Why would I? I don't want him near me. I don't, I'm so angry. I'm so angry. I don't want to be with him. And guys, we are used to settling for crumbs. We really are. Uh is it Deanne Smith, the comedian? I think she lives in Canada and she's this funny comedian and she said, honestly, she said, so many women are so close to changing their preference, <laughs> if it was that easy, we all would, to changing their preference to women because she's dating in the, in the comedy skit about this, she's dating a woman who's only ever dated men. And she said, I do the tiniest things for my girlfriend. And now she's just like, blown away like oh my god you bought me flowers oh my god you you went down on me oh my god you did the dishes and she said this woman has put up with such shitty terrible relationships where the person didn't contribute in any way and so now she says I just do the tiniest little thing and she loses her mind and she tells everyone and she raves about it now on that point of rave about it believe me the women who have great partners who help them and who are kind and loving and considerate, we all hear about it. We all hear about the really great ones and we all hear about the really shitty ones. And we can also tell by the way she looks at the guy. What was so funny, um, a couple of years ago, I was living uh, with uh, an American uh, Marine and we were living in uh, Marina Del Rey. And he had two friends who were American athletes, black guys who were athletes. And so quite high profile. And they used to, they had a lot of theories about women because they said they literally get treated like they are, they, <laughs> uh, they get treated differently by women, let's call it that, because of their careers and their physique and, and their looks. And they said, we notice women, it brings out a very primal thing, but they said the women who are really in love barely notices. We can tell the women that the men are looking after them, taking care of them. They really love their partner. They'll be like, nice to meet you, da-da-da. They said the women who aren't getting orgasms, who aren't feeling appreciated, they walk into the room and they look at us like they're hungry. 
they look at us like he you know he might not do the dishes but he'd take care of that or they they just had all these theories about women a lot of them were bang on because they're just seeing it purely as they're seeing it so simply and so cleanly and yet in that same time period we were at a party and one guy was there bragging about like he was literally bragging about how he had his wife do everything for him and you know like he made a joke about how bad he was in bed and how selfish he was in bed and he thought it was so funny and and he was sort of bragging about what he could get away with and calling himself an asshole and bragging about how he was getting away with it and I thought yeah not for long mate because any day now she's going to be done and believe me when you are a giver and you give and give and give and you're with someone who takes and takes and takes eventually you will just be done and having been the giver in relationships with takers it is you do get to a point you get to a point where you're just like done and they've taken you for granted for six months eight months however long it is and once you're done you're just done and they're like begging they're going oh no who else will be my personal slave (laughs) take care of everything look after me pay all the bills and they're like begging you to come back and you're like no because i know that being with you is horrible and i've been in one relationship where the guy i'd walk in the door from my horrific job and he'd he'd have cooked me a food he'd pour me a glass of wine because he got home before me and i was in a really stressful horrific job and he'd just sit he'd just sit with me and just it was amazing I felt so loved I know one Saturday I had to work and I came home and he'd he'd done the gardening like he'd cleaned all the he'd he'd got the leaf blower and blown all the leaves but he basically said I did it and he made one of his friends help him and he said I did it so you feel loved like it was that black and white and it was really easy with him because when I did things for him, he felt love too. So, and it was a joy to do that for somebody because not only did they appreciate it, but there was reciprocity. There was actually uh, give and give, right? As opposed to give and take. And I do think it's important for rescuers and givers to start to find and start to demand being with someone who gives back, mainly because it teaches us to learn to receive which is also super hard. It teaches us to learn to ask to have our needs met because we learn not to ask because we don't get. Now, I realise that in the start of the relationship, everyone's on their best behaviour and for a start, it's great. But there's a huge difference between somebody who's, you know, all loved up and, be, be you know, being great because it's the start of a relationship and, and the difference between somebody who's naturally a giver, naturally nurturing. So pick men who are naturally showing love by doing things for others. Look how they treat their friends. Look how they treat their family. Look how they treat a stranger. That old cliche about how the guy treats the waiter, um, how somebody treats a stranger is actually a better indication. How someone treats an enemy is a hell of a good indication. If somebody has a vendetta or a grudge against an enemy and then sets out to destroy them, you know that they're going to do that to their ex as well. Because, and and I had this conversation with a friend the other day and she said, how could you call my ex a narcissist? You're just 
tainted because of your work with abuse and your, your past history. And this is why. And I and I couldn't tell them that the what I'd seen was identical to uh, every abuser I'd worked with when I worked in domestic violence. So, and mainly it was that her ex had sat there and she had bragged about all the vendettas and the people she destroyed and the people she'd hurt. She was gleeful about, and uh, like there was a joy in her spitefulness that concerned me. It concerned me because their relationship was already toxic in a lot of ways. Uh, in the whole, there was already the love bombing, the push-pull, the emotional games, the emotion, uh, the, uh, there was a lot of emotional abuse right from the start with withholding love, withholding affection. But honestly, I really think if we actually learn to give, there's a joy in giving as well. And we also, part of that is, look, give to each other, you know, give and give and give, and but don't give to someone who's just going to take and give nothing back. And there are a whole lot of quick ways to find out the red flags really quick, really fast in a relationship. And it's not just looking how they treat their ex, looking how they treat an enemy. There are things like um, ask them to describe a stranger because people project so if you're at a cafe and you say, hey, let's play a game, describe strangers, and they see venom and hate and evil in all the strangers, then you go, okay, that's an insight into you. If they look at the stranger and go, wow, that person looks really tired or they actually have empathy, that's also an insight into them. Having said all that, back to the topic at hand, head jobs and housework. I think that a, a nice, playful way to do it would be even to sort of say it. Like it's not, you could say, hey, you know what? When we were first together, I really loved pleasuring you, but I also notice that when you don't help me around the house, I resent you. We'll start with that. When you don't help me around the house, I feel really resentful and I don't feel like being affectionate towards you. Or when they... Um, when, you know, like what I used to do with my ex, when you're doing the vacuum, I'd walk in and he'd be doing the vacuuming in his underpants, which was hot. And I'd be like, when you're finished, make sure you have a shower so that you get your reward. And he'd be like, ta-da. <laughs> so then he started to associate housework with being appreciated, being loved, right? So then when he'd be doing housework, he'd be getting, he'd be warm. It was like foreplay for him. I think it's the, the, the G-rated way of saying this. So house, so him doing housework or him cooking me a meal or him helping me around the garden became like a form of foreplay because then he knew that I would feel so loving and so, you know, appreciative and so warm. And, and, I, and we'd make jokes about like we should make a calendar of like him and his friend who did housework and just do this thing of there are Italian men who do housework and it's hot, right? Because uh, yeah, I said, honestly, I think there's a market if we made a calendar of photos of Italian men doing housework. I think there are women that would buy it because it would be sexy. <laughs> Can you imagine a whole heap of hot men doing housework? I think that I'm onto something. So uh, it's and it's not just housework, whatever it is for her. So she might say, oh, no, I, I like, like for me, I like stacking the dishwasher in a particular way. If, if someone else does it, I tend to redo it. But I also, there are things I can't do, like putting out the bins or like uh, when I come home and my laundry is being hung out, I'm so grateful. 
So things like that, little tiny things that show the other person does it just to be kind or just to be considerate, that they've taken one minute when you walk in the door and you're exhausted, if if your partner has taken one minute, because men often don't notice. Um, they're very, they're just their brains are wired differently. They are very focused on exactly what's in front of them. So they might not really notice what's going on around them. And the other thing with that, I started to do housework. The, my male friends who were staying, who thought the kitchen was magical, uh, I started to clean up. In I used to get up and before them in the morning and clean the kitchen, and then they'd leave it a pigsty, and they'd come home and it was clean at night. So I started cleaning it in front of them so they could actually see. And I'd say, you do realise I cleaned the kitchen at 6am and now you've made a pigsty, so now I'm going to clean it again now. So so they'd want to talk to me, and I'd be like, no, no, I'm just going to clean. And I'm like, and or I'd tell them, hey, so today I did this, 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 this. <laughs> can you just like, can you just spit your toothpaste down the drain, not in the sink, so I, or wash it away. Like the shit like that, the, the, the things men do that make so much mess. I could spend an hour a day just cleaning up because they just didn't do it in a way that didn't make mess in the first place. Like when you wash your hands, don't shake them all over the mirror because then the mirror has to be cleaned every single day. When you spit out your toothpaste, spit it down the drain or wash it down the drain so I don't have to clean the bathroom sink every time you clean your teeth because you might not care if there's toothpaste all over it, but you sure as hell will notice if I stop magically cleaning up after you, if the magical kitchen fairy doesn't do her job, you will notice because I noticed that when I when I lived with the, the French guy who was such a pig, when I went away for a week, he was bitching and moaning like, uh, you know, he's the other, our other friend who was saying, oh, he's such a pig, he's such a pig and he's so untidy. And I went, yeah, welcome to what the house looks like when I'm not here to magically spend an hour or two every day cleaning up after you. So they just don't, they don't get it and they take it for granted a lot of the time. But I'm specifically referring to people who are just oblivious to housework. I'm specifically re referring to this dynamic where the guy thinks it magically cleans and then complain and then she's feeling resentful because he's not helping. This specific dynamic. Um, because honestly, I think everyone would be happier if he, <laughs> I get my mum's accountant had an amazing strategy. She, uh, all her, the, she's Italian and all her friends used to joke about like, how is, how does she train an Italian husband to do all the housework? And she said, oh, I do the vacuuming, but it hurts my back and then I can't have sex. You know, and she said, I'm not that literal, but I kind of, it's almost that literal. She'd say, when I'm tired and when I'm cranky. And so she'd say this. And, and I was sort of 22, I guess, when she was, or young, mid-20s, when she was telling me all of these strategies she had for how to train your husband like you train. There was a show in England, how to train your husband like you train your dog or something. But it, <laughs> and everyone, there was uproar. But basically the premise was, you know, reward good behaviour and, and tell, you know, train them. Say this is, train meaning ask. Ask for what you want. Ask and say, this makes me feel loved. Ask and say, when you, when I, when you do this for me, I feel loved and therefore, what, you know, what would you like me to respond in a way that makes you feel loved? So start with the five love languages. A lot of men will say physical touch and affection. It might not be their primary, but they sure as hell usually won't feel loved 
unless they're getting physical intimacy a lot of the time. But what men forget is that women in their 30s, you know, once you hit, uh, I can't remember what it was for me, um, early 30s, you're horny all the time. So women, apart from when we're exhausted or stressed, or we might well be craving intimacy just as much. But the last thing you want to do is let somebody inside your body or inside your personal space, if they have rage issues, if they have anger issues, if they don't help you, if you don't, if you look at them and you feel anger, it was really interesting. There was a TV, there's a TV show I watched this week, uh, Vanderpump Rules. And there's an English guy on the show who's got severe rage issues. And everyone used to say, oh, he had to give up alcohol because it made him angry. And I was like, this guy has been sober two years. He's still got rage issues. And then the couple, they were splitting up and it came out that she hadn't wanted to have sex with him in two summers because he sent a whole heap of rage texts and she just shut down. And after that, she just didn't feel safe to open up to him. And so while she was trying, she then treated him like he was broken and angry. And so she was with him to try and help him, but she stopped loving him. She just shut off a part of herself because of his rage. That's a whole other topic. But if you do, you, if you were the husband who did all the housework in the world, but you scream at her, um, she's probably not going to feel safe to be intimate with you, no matter how much vacuuming you do. So, I mean, she would have to see that you actually were working on your anger. She would have to see that she was actually safe with you. She would have to feel like she doesn't have to walk on eggshells because uh, rageaholics really don't get how much rage shuts us down as women, how much that not feeling safe puts us in defensive mode and it's not a fun place to be when you're around that. Um, you'll eventually snap and yell back. But if you shut, if you don't feel safe and you have to put a wall up around your partner, how can there be true intimacy? Honestly. Anyway, start by asking, hey, would you feel loved if I did more housework or what would you like me to do around the house? I'm really going to try. And then say, because I feel this is what makes me feel loved. Do the housework first, then ask, right? 